you'd like to follow along with the sermon this morning from Mark 6, there's an outline provided in the bulletin for you as we continue our series in the Gospel of Mark. Well, seeing all these children up here today and the amazing gifts they have brought, as well as the rest of you, uh, it reminds me of things that little kids can and can't do. Little kids often know what they can't do, and they ask for help with things like tying their shoes or brushing their teeth, and often they ask their parents. But what they don't realize is how overqualified their parents are to do those things. When they ask, would you help me tie my shoes, they don't realize that we have tied our own shoes tens of thousands of times, and we're, like, we're really good at it. Same thing with brushing our teeth. They're like, help me brush my teeth, and we do. Well, we've done that, hopefully, tens of thousands of times, and we know really well how to brush teeth. Well, in our story today, we see Jesus offering help, and a similar kind of help, an overabundance of help, the kind of help that we don't even realize how great that help is. And it's not a big need. It seems like there isn't a big need for help, and yet Jesus, in all his power, is able to provide for those seemingly very simple needs. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 6 today, the second half of it. We did the first half last week. So we're going to begin at verse 30. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 56. As we hear about Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And when they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, 
walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about their loaves, but the hearts, their hearts were hardened. <clears throat> when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garments. And as many as touched it were made well. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace in giving us your word, speaking to us that we have it recorded so that we will know you, so that we know your son and his great power and the way he can provide for our needs. So God, I pray this morning that you would help me to speak truthfully, that anything wrong, that it would go in one ear and out the other, but Lord, where there is truth, may your spirit bless it. Plant it in our hearts and minds that we would know you and that we would grow into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, we see Jesus' power again here. And the big idea I want us to see is that since God has the power to provide abundantly for his people, we should seek his help in all circumstances. So in all circumstances, we should seek the help of the one who has absolute power. So this morning, we're going to look at that absolute power and how it's demonstrated in the passages, and then look at what's so unique about these miracle stories here in this chapter. And then finally, we're going to ask how we can practically rely on God. So first, we see the amazing power that God demonstrates in the world. As we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, it seems like every week there's something new Jesus is doing, some power, some miracle that he is showing us. His authority is demonstrated again and again, and we're kind of at the point where we're like, okay, Mark, we get it. Like, the Gospel could have been a few chapters shorter. You have all these demonstrations of power. We get Jesus was powerful. And yet it seems with each new story, his power is even greater than we ever imagined. That his power is taken to a new level in the story today. In the first passage, we read that Jesus wanted to take his disciples away for a retreat to rest. That they came back from their missionary journeys that we mentioned last week, and they were probably really tired. But they cannot find rest because a large crowd finds them. And Jesus has compassion on this large crowd because they seem like they are a sheep without a shepherd. And so instead of resting, Jesus teaches those large group of people all day. Later in the day, the disciples, who may have been upset that their special rest time with Jesus was interrupted, they point out that these people need to leave so they can get home in time for dinner. There's not enough food here for them. But Jesus asks his disciples... You give them food. The disciples realize this is a ridiculous request. There are 5,000 men here who need to be fed. We don't have that much food. 
And even if we had enough money to buy food for all of them, why would we spend our money on giving them dinner? Well, eventually, Jesus takes over. He takes the very little that they have, five loaves and two fish, and he has people sit in groups on the green grass, echoing the shepherd imagery from Psalm 23, that he will provide for these sheep. Jesus breaks the bread and divides the fish, passing it out to everyone. And it is enough. Somehow, some way, everyone is full. The impossibly small amount of food is enough when it's in the hands of Jesus. In fact, there is plenty left over. There is more than enough when Jesus is there. And then we see even further that early the next morning before dawn, Jesus sees his disciples out on the lake in a boat. And they're slowly making their way across the lake because there's a wind. Not a storm, just an inconvenient wind. And so Jesus goes to help them. So he walks out to where their boat is and the wind dies down. Ho-hum. He just happens to walk on the water to get there. Jesus defies the very laws of physics somehow walking on top of the water, scaring the disciples who rightly thought he was a ghost out on the lake. Jesus had healed the sick, he had cast out demons, he had taught with authority, and yet here we see power unlike anything we have ever seen. And it makes you ask, what couldn't this guy do? He can do so much. So we see from these stories that Jesus has absolutely amazing power over this world, that he's able to manipulate material things like it's nothing, which is kind of what you guys did today, because I don't know what treasure chest you have back in that corner over there where it just seemed like box after box of these Operation Christmas Child things just kept appearing like it was Mary Poppins' purse. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. But Jesus can actually create out of thin air, not just seem like it, but he can do it. He's not bound by the laws of nature because he made the laws of nature. He can create on the fly. Now, people clearly saw this because when he gets to Gennesaret, They flock to him. They recognize this man has power, and so they simply just let me get a touch of the fringe of his garment. And even that heals them. Jesus' power is overwhelming. It's amazing that time and again we see that it is unlike anything the world has ever known. No wonder the disciples were befuddled by it. They could hardly believe what it was they were seeing, and the power they saw came from a man. A man who looked no different from any other men. He didn't wear a red cape. He didn't have a halo. He didn't have some special glow. He just looked like a guy. But this guy had absolutely amazing power over the world. Power no one else had ever shown. And so in the face of this amazing power, I think for us we need to ask an important question. What's so different about these particular miracles in the story today? Remember, the Gospels do not contain every single miracle that Jesus did. There wouldn't be room in all the books for all of those miracles. And so the authors of the Gospels selected stories to tell us about Jesus. And they did so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wanting to speak not only to the original readers of the Gospels, but to people throughout history like us. 
So what is different about these stories today? Mark had included so many other miracle stories. Why these? Well, the unique feature of these miracles is that the needs are not urgent. The needs are not urgent. Think back to the previous chapters in Mark. We read about people possessed by demons, people who were paralyzed. They had leprosy. We read about disciples who were in danger of drowning because of a big storm, a little girl who had died. And here in these passages, we see such great needs as, I'm hungry for dinner. And, boy, it's really hard to row this boat against this wind. Those are the needs. Those are not urgent. Those are not serious. That large crowd could have made it home, and maybe they would have been grumbling both inside and out of their mouths. They would have been grumbling about being hungry. They would have made it. The disciples would have eventually made it across the lake. This wasn't a storm. It was just a wind. And yet Jesus answers these needs miraculously. So miraculously, in fact, it seems like he's showing off. He overmeets their needs with overwhelming power. It would be like a child asking Albert Einstein for help with math homework. He can do that, and he can do way more than that. Or like having a professional bodybuilder carry in your groceries from the car. Or like asking Rachel Ray to bring a side dish to your potluck. I think she can do that. It would be like asking C.S. Lewis to read your child a bedtime story. Those people have more than enough skill, more than enough power to do those normal everyday tasks. They can overmeet the need just like Jesus overmeets the need in this passage. I think this is especially clear from the walking on the water incident. All you have to do is ask the question, not how did Jesus walk on the water, but why did Jesus walk on the water? He did it to get to the boat. Couldn't he have stopped the wind from the shore? Yeah. Couldn't he have borrowed some other guy's boat and rowed out to them? Yeah. Couldn't he have just made a boat appear and rowed out in that boat? Yeah. Couldn't he have just called out and said, hey guys, come back. I can help you. Just row back and we'll, get, we'll do better. Yeah, he could have done that. Or he could have just like, ah, that's a good learning lesson for him. And met him on the other side of the lake when he walked around. No. Jesus decided to go out and walk on the water. To help them. Just to help them. Not only that, but the scriptures never even say they asked for help. As fishermen, they would have known what it was like to be on the lake. And sometimes, it's windy. And it's hard to row. They did not have their motors back then. And so they knew this, that it was inconvenient. It was an inconvenient wind, and they would just have to make do. But Jesus sees their need. And he helps them before they even think to ask for help. See, they didn't even realize he was close enough to help or that he would even want to help. Similarly, the crowd of people that Jesus was teaching, that crowd of 5,000, it's never mentioned that they ask for food. It was just the disciples who said, hey, uh, these guys might get hungry eventually. Maybe we should send them home early. The crowd did not ask for a miraculous feast didn't even say they were hungry, and yet he fed them. 
People have come and they have begged for healings, for exorcisms before Jesus, fallen down at his feet. But here we see Jesus' absolutely amazing power help even the most mundane, everyday needs. Needs that people didn't even ask for help with. They didn't even think it was worth asking for help. How wonderful is it that God provides that kind of help? It is truly amazing that God cares to answer these kinds of needs. The disciples, they said, this isn't enough. Well, with Jesus, there's never that concern. There's always enough. When they were struggling to make progress, they were probably thinking, oh, this is so hard. And Jesus makes the impossible walking on water seem easy. What is too hard for Jesus? See, this is how Jesus cared for his disciples and the other people back then, but we live nearly 2,000 years after that. And so if we're out on a boat and having trouble getting our life jacket buckled, I don't think we're expecting Jesus to walk out onto the water and go, here, let me help you. Click. So how does Jesus help us when he's not walking here on earth, that he's not going to show up and do something in that way? How do we practically rely on God in our daily lives? Well, the simplest answer is to pray. Prayer is how we bring our needs before God. Prayer is how we acknowledge our dependence on him. Paul Miller, who's written a great book on prayer called A Praying Life, says that dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. Dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. You see, the very act of praying forces us to acknowledge God can help and that I need help. I can't do it on my own. Our passage shows us this too. Before Jesus ever feeds the 5,000, he and his disciples are going to go take a retreat to rest. They had completed some exciting and probably very exhausting missions, and they needed to rest to ask God for renewed strength. And then later in the story, when the disciples leave on the boat, what does Jesus do? He goes up on the mountain to pray. So between his miraculous provision of food and his miraculous walking on water, Jesus prays. The very person who performs this amazing power himself, he goes to God in prayer. He goes to his father. He depends on his father. And it's that relationship between father and child that the Bible uses to describe prayer. See, through the salvation we receive in Jesus Christ, we are all called adopted children of God, sons and daughters of him. That we are sons and daughters of Christ, the true son of God, as we identify in him. And so because of Jesus, when the Father looks on us, he sees us as if we were perfectly obedient children of his own, sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. And so we can come to him in prayer, praying to him as our Father. In our New Testament reading, Jesus encourages us about that in Matthew 7, saying, which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone instead? Which one of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, the fallenness and brokenness of all of our own fathers and those who are fathers, 
if we're evil and we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the God who loves us as a heavenly father be able to give us? Now that may sound ridiculous to some of us. How can God care about small things like my bread or my need for a fish or the little things I need? How can a God who's in charge of the whole universe, who has this kind of power, actually care about my daily needs? Well, Paul Miller, who wrote that book on prayer, understands this. He wrote saying this, We just don't think God could be concerned with the puny details of our lives. We either believe he's too big or that we're not that important. No wonder Jesus told us to be like little children. Little children are not daunted by the size of their parents. They come regardless. Every parent cares for every little need of their child because they love their child. And yes, there are broken parent relationships, but those parents in our lives care about needs, even some basic needs. I mean, silly things like if one of Peter's cars is lost in the house, Abby and I will turn over the entire house to find that car. It's not because it's valuable. It's not because I really like that car, because I don't. (laughs) But it's because I love my son, and I care about what matters to him. So how much more will God, who is infinitely powerful, who is infinitely loving, and I'm sure could find every car right away. How can he care for us even when things are seemingly insignificant? That word insignificant has been something that's hindered my prayer life for some time. It's been a hurdle to cross that I feel like I've got the normal, everyday things in my life covered. Why do I need to pray for things like food, clothing, shelter, parenting, or daily tasks at work. But boy, am I wrong. We depend on God for everything. And so things like praying for potty training, calm bedtime routines, car rides with no screaming, I've tried to incorporate that into my prayer life because those are things we would just get frustrated about or not pray about. But it's those simple things, those non-essential, those insignificant things in the grand scheme of the universe that I think we need to go to God with. So for you, maybe it's not small children. Maybe you're meeting with a customer or a client at work, praying before that meeting, before a doctor's visit, a phone call with a relative, or when you're stuck in traffic or in the line at Walmart. Maybe it's praying that when we take our medicine that God would bless that medicine to help us. Or that God would prevent us from rushing to judgment when we see people around us today. See, those kinds of simple prayers compared to the urgent needs we see in the Gospel of Mark seem so insignificant. Paralysis or getting out of the line in Walmart. God cares about this. Does he really care about this? But yet, doesn't God love us enough to answer even those requests? Isn't that easy for God? A request like that? It's not troublesome, but it's an easy thing for God to do. If God can walk on water, if God can provide out of nothing, can't he do that? 
Can he help us with our temper? Can't he help us with a family member who we're struggling to love? So I want to challenge us all to rely on God in the everyday things, the little things. To recognize that God's infinite power is not just for those times that we are sick in the hospital or we have nowhere else to turn, though they are for that. But we go to God in prayer all the time. We go to him with a dependent heart. And so know that you have access to someone with all the power in the universe, and he considers you his child if you believe in Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done, he sees you with the love a parent has for a child, and not a fallen parent like us in this world, but the perfect ideal of a parent who loves all the time, who cares for his children. That's who we get to go to in prayer. Now, this is really hard to do, and I recognize that. We are Americans, and we are independent, and we like to be independent. In fact, the very first temptation of Adam and Eve was to know, like God, good and evil. They wanted to be smart enough on their own. In other words, they wanted to not need God, to depend on Him, to trust Him all the time, to be independent. But scripture reminds us that we are wholly dependent on God for everything in life. James 1 says that every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father. Every good gift. That includes the biggest things in our lives that we're thankful for and also the smallest, like each individual cheerio. The things we wouldn't even think to say thanks for. The small things. And so we need to cultivate this spirit of dependency. And thankfully, Jesus gives us a dependent spirit. He sends us the Holy Spirit to make us more dependent on God. See, the Spirit helps us to rely on God, training our hearts to look to Him for our everyday needs. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 writes that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our weakness, praying for what we don't even know what to pray for. That Spirit is inside of every believer, training our hearts to become dependent on God in every matter, both big and small. Because we have a God we can depend on. He is powerful enough that if every single person in the world who has ever existed throughout history, needed to depend on him for every single little thing in life, guess what? He could handle it. It would not be overwhelming. He would not be flustered that I've got all these kids to take care of. He can actually do it. And he can listen. And he can answer. Because his resources, his power, his love are beyond our comprehension. See, we have a God who is not limited by this is not enough. Because God creates out of nothing, like he created the universe out of nothing. We have a God who is not limited by this is too hard. Because nothing is impossible for God. We have a God who is not limited by this is too small and insignificant. Because he knows our every need. And in fact, he's felt them for himself. We celebrate at Christmas that God took on human form. He has felt the life of humanity. He knows what a hangnail is like. He knows what getting sick is like. He knows what family squabbles are like. He's felt it all. We have a God who is not even limited by our requests to him. 
Because through the Spirit, he seeks us out to help us even before we think to ask for help. This is our God. This is the God of the Scriptures. This is the God who is living and active today. The God who offers us salvation in Jesus Christ. So rely on him each day and in every circumstance. For he is strong enough to do it. And he is loving enough to want to. To care for every little thing in your life that you bring before him. So go to your God. Go to our God who loves us in things big and small. Amen. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who does care for the little things. You do not look only at big things, the, the governments, the rulers of this world, the people who think they are holy, holier than others, but you care about each and every person, and you care about each and every thing that happens to each and every one of us, and that is mind-blowing, but it is so reassuring to know that whatever struggle, whatever thing, big or small in our life, we can go to you. And you hear us like your children because of Jesus. We trust in him that it is only in Jesus and what he has done for us that we can be your child. We cannot earn that place. We cannot work our way into your family. But by the free gift of grace, you welcome us with open arms, adopting us into your family. God, may we see that we are your adopted children. May we know your love for us and may we come to you boldly like a child with even the smallest and seemingly insignificant things in our hearts. Answer us, God, in your love and in your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.